Okay, people, fantasy draft season is over, and you, Brewski, 150 your way to a hell of a team. The season is here, and the Fantasy Pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for just 5 bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. We know you'll love it. You'll say you'll keep it. But anyways, it's nice to have options in life. The Fantasy Pass has everything you need to dominate all year long. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the Hoop Ball Discord server, where you can hang out with all our hoop ball pros, including myself, around the clock to get one-on-one -on -one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall and get the plug for your success for the fantasy basketball season. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds one. Trey Slaughter. regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am recording this today after the Hawks unfortunately extend their losing streak to four games after falling to the Charlotte Hornets again in consecutive games, this time on the road to a score of 113-105. The injury bug strikes again for the Hawks, not the team performance I was looking for, my perceived lack of in-game adjustments once again, and hot shooting from Charlotte all played a role in this loss for the Hawks. We will cover it all after this plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%. Just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, 
is that no cash is required to enter. And you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. We'll get to my keys for the game last night going in. Before going into the game, I projected Trey Young to be Trey Young, and I thought that he would have 23 points, 11 assists, three threes, and three steals. And looking back at it, he didn't get the points. He was one away on assist, but no three-pointers made and no steals on the stat line last night. I know Alan Srokey, my friend who came on the program the episode before, he projected 20 and 10 nights from both JC and Ice Trey. We didn't get either of those, unfortunately. We needed to limit Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball. We did good on Gordon Hayward. LaMelo Ball, that's another story. Historic night for the rookie. We needed to execute late in games on defense and offense, which is going to be a running theme until I see it happen consistently for this Hawks team. I needed to see the Hawks be the aggressors, be physical on defense, challenge shots, and follow the game plan set forth by this coaching staff. And I just wanted to see them play a complete game. Last game, they started off slow, but then they finished strong, but came up short two games before. They've had great first quarters, had leads in the second half of 15 points plus, and have, they faltered. And I just wanted to see a complete game, wire to wire, everybody doing what they are supposed to do. And we really haven't got that type of performance since the Brooklyn win, in my opinion. So that's what I wanted to see going into the game last night. The injury report for last night. Bruno Fernando and Tony Snell were both available for the Hawks last night. Neither of them played, but they were available, which is a good sign because we're going to need bodies going forward. Out, though, for the Hawks, Chris Dunn, Danilo Gallinari, Oyeko Okongu, and Rajon Rondo. Starting lineup for the Hawks last night was Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich at the two, replacing Cam Reddish, which I've been asking to see if a switch-up would benefit both of them shooting better, especially Cam Reddish, who's been really poor from the field shooting the last four games or so. We got a little bit more out of Cam last night, and we're going to need more after an unfortunate injury happens to well, a couple injuries in the starting lineup. And we'll see how those progress going forward. To round out the starting lineup, DeAndre Hunter at the three, John Collins at the four, Clint Capella at the five. Game flow. Certainly offensively, the Hawks started much faster than they did on Wednesday. The three ball was on early. Bogey got off to a quick start before suffering a knee injury in the second quarter. We're still waiting for updates on how bad it looks. Trey Young looked more aggressive early in the game, setting people up, trying to get his shot, which was the opposite of Wednesday as well. John Collins got off to a hot start as well. 
with nine first quarter points and six rebounds. The ball movement was great for the Hawks. Spacing was good. The team was energetic, active on the glass, especially offensively, which is a trend that would continue basically the entire night and a good early trend for the Hawks early in the season as they have really crashed the offensive glass thanks to the additions of Clint Capella and obviously the consistent rebounding that John Collins does provide. And in my opinion, in the first quarter and pretty much the whole night, the Hawks really didn't attempt many bad shots. Outside of the defense early in the first quarter where there were instances where the Hawks were needing to close off driving lanes and close out on shooters, it was a really good first quarter on the offensive side of things. However, those defensive things I talked about carried into the second quarter and then shots were not falling like in the first quarter, especially from the three-point line. All the defensive miscues in the first quarter that were not as big of a deal because of the made shots became glaring problems. The Hawks bench would play well, including Cam Reddish, who started to get the three ball finally going. But speaking of ball, LaMelo ball for the Hornets, as I said before, had an historic night, and we'll talk about that a little later. Him and the bench from the Hornets definitely met the challenge, provided energy, provided spark throughout parts of the game. Turnovers for the Hawks would lead to a lot of easy opportunities for balls in the Hornets, and the Hornets will go on a 22-8 run to end the second quarter. Hornets in the second quarter shot 12-18 of 18 from the field, 5-7 of 7 from three, compared to 7-23 of 23 from the field for the Hawks, and 3-13 of 13 from the three-point line. Hawks were down by nine at halftime. But they would come out in the second half early, looking better with Reddish knocking down shots, the defense better than it was in the second quarter. And the Hawks were going on a little mini run to try to cut into the league. DeAndre Hunter would get it going offensively too. And they would have continued to crash the offensive glass. Well, but then again, LaMelo Ball and that bench for the Hornets got on the run. This kid will be a problem, and he already low-key is. Led them on another run that would put Charlotte up by 11 going into the fourth quarter. Going into the fourth quarter for the Hawks, after their high three-point shooting in the first quarter, they were now 31% from three-point range, and Trey Young was over five. And I remember I predicted three three-point makes for Trey, and he was over five going into the fourth. As he was playing with a bum wrist that he hurt multiple times throughout the game. The Hawks were going to have to knock down open shots, which was a theme last night. They got a lot of good looks, as I said. No real bad shot attempts, but they just weren't going in. And they had to get defensive stops and take it to possession at a time. Hornets were just making shot after shot, and they were just hot from the floor by this point. The Magic City trio of Herder, Hunter, and Reddish were the big reason why the Hawks even had a chance in the fourth quarter with Trey Young hurt with his wrist, bogey out of the game, and John Collins out of rhythm because of not getting touches and because he was in foul trouble. They would try to keep it close, but in the end, the Hornets would pull away and the Hawks would end up losing back-to-back games to Charlotte. And this was after Charlotte beat New Orleans on Friday and then traveled to Charlotte to play the Hawks yesterday. So it was a it was a tough one to swallow. Another tough one to swallow. The Hawks would shoot 37% from the floor last night and shot 30% from three. 
Hornets shot almost 52% from the field and 45.5% from three. With those percentages, it's really hard to win a game, especially when you shoot the percentages that the Hawks, who I just mentioned, shot last night. The Hawks had 28 free throw attempts last night and shot 82%, so to help keep them in the game and stretches the fact that they were getting to the free throw line and hitting some free throws, but in the end it wasn't enough. They out-rebounded Charlotte 47-42. to They were great on the offensive glass all night, grabbing 17 offensive rebounds. But they talked about it on the broadcast that all these offensive rebounds did not lead to many second-chance points last night, as you would think, which speaks to the defensive effort for the Hornets and just all the missed shots that the Hawks had last night. And not being able to capitalize on their opportunities was a theme for the entire night. 13 turnovers for the Hawks, and even though that isn't a large number, like 18, 19 turnovers, there were turnovers that appeared in crucial times throughout the game, and they were just crippling in that regard. And they lost by two points in the paint. They limited them in the paint as far as the numbers from Wednesday's game, but still not enough to get the dub. So we'll get into the player's stats and preview the Sixers-Hawks matchup after this plug for Bruce Letter. Okay, quickly, we need to pause the show for an announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruce Letter is back. Oh, yes, back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, the GOAT, is writing an email newsletter filled with its most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not on any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in an email newsletter. And you can sign up to get it for free. I said it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. Ten seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021. And you get it straight from the GOAT and Brewski into your inbox and enjoy the nuggets to help you succeed in your fantasy basketball league. All right, and we are back. Into the stats for the Hornets first. The Hornets had three players score 22 points or more last night and five total in double digits. He would start with the rookie, LaMelo Ball, who had a great night coming off of two good back-to-back games for himself and pushed it to three last night, posting a triple-double. Ball is now the youngest player in NBA history with a triple-double at 19 years and 140 days old. Just wild. Again, when is he going to start for this Hornets team? And he was definitely the difference maker for the Hornets last night. He scored 22 points on 9 of 13 shooting from the field. And he went 3 of 5 from the three-point line, 1 of 2 from the free throw line. He dished out 11 assists and grabbed 12 rebounds, including 3 on the offensive end. And he had a spectacular night. I'm not taking that away at all. But I know for the Hawks side of things, I really question... Why wasn't Cam Reddish exclusively guarding LaMelo Ball? I mean, they both have similar frames. 
He's tall enough to guard him. Obviously, he's a really good defender at a young age, talking about Reddish. And I know me personally, I would have put Cam Reddish exclusively on a Lamelo. An in-game adjustment, I question of LP. But again, Lamelo Ball will be a problem for years to come in this league, not just for the Hawks. And we will certainly be familiar with him. But I really wondered how come Reddish wasn't tasked with guarding him since Hayward was mostly guarded by DeAndre Hunter. And I'll talk about that a little later. I thought DeAndre Hunter did a great job on him. Scary Terry for the Hornets was the leading scorer last night, scoring a game-high 23 points on 8-15 shooting from the field, and he hit four three-pointers. Added four rebounds, two assists, and four steals to his stat line. P.J. Washington, who was a stat stuffer the game before, he scored 22 points on 7 of 11 shooting from the field, hit two three-pointers himself, added seven rebounds, six blocks. I repeat, six blocks and an assist. Hayward, who I said was held in check for the most part, scored 13 points on 6 of 14 shooting, hit one three-pointer, and added three assists. And off the bench for the Hornets, outside of LaMelo Ball's contribution, Caleb Martin, one of the twins for the Hornets, Scored 15 points off the bench. For the Hawks side of things, again, good games for the Magic City Trio tonight. Cam Reddish broke out of his scoring slump, although not super efficient. And hardly anybody on the Hawks were efficient last night, especially with the shooting percentages for the Hawks total. When I go player to player, you'll see what I'm talking about. But his scoring was needed with Bogey going down with an injury. Reddish would score 21 points on 6 of 17 shooting from the floor and 4 of 13 from the three-point line and had six free throw attempts, knocking down five of them. Reddish would add five rebounds, four steals, and three turnovers to his stat line. This is the best game that Cam has had in the last four games, but still had mistakes as you hear the, the turnovers. He had some lapses on the offensive end with some decision-making and a little some lapses on the defensive end as well. Product of just a young player, which will happen. And I'm just glad he got his confidence back with his shot last night. We're going to certainly need it going forward. And I know I spoke on past programs that I thought that Cam Reddish could benefit coming off the bench. And it certainly looked like it helped last night as he came in with a little more energy than when he was put in a starting lineup, and he was given more opportunities to touch the ball, to score, as he was one of the guys off the bench to score outside of Herter. So I like it. He will probably be thrusted back into the lineup with Bogey's injury, and let's see if that will give him some momentum going forward. Another member of the Magic City trio, DeAndre Hunter, continues to be Mr. Consistent for the Hawks, scoring 20 points, on 6-12 shooting from the floor, he went 1-3 of three from the three-point line, hit all seven of his free throw attempts. He grabbed eight rebounds, two on offensive glass, posted two blocks in a steal. I thought Hunter was really great in the fourth quarter. And as I said, he was really one of the key pieces for the Hawks late in the game that really kept it in striking distance. And he, most times, you guys already know, he makes a lot of plays to help you win. I love that about DeAndre Hunter. I saw that in flashes last year as a rookie. Just a very mature player, good decision maker. 
his growth in his mid-range game and offensive skill set continues to be noted here in the second year in the NBA. I like this defense, as I said before, especially on Gordon Hayward. He accepted the challenge and really limited him last night. Trey Young, again, struggled from the field most of the night, scoring 15 points on 5 of 19 shooting from the floor. He missed all five of his three-pointers. And how did he make that up? He made all five of his free-throw attempts. He posted 10 assists, did cut down the turnovers from 7 to 4 last night, but still it's been a struggle with his shot. The last five games... Four of them resulting in Hawks losses. Trey Young is 28 of 84 from the field. And he is also 6 of 27 from the three-point line. So he's certainly in a slump right now. And there was a stat that has been circulating on Twitter. When the Hawks win this year, Trey Young shoots almost 41% from three. And in losses, Trey Young shoots 16.7%. From the three-point line. His shot really does set up pretty much everything else he does. Which is not a surprise from college. The threat that he had behind the three-point line opened up his assist. Opened up his ability to drive. And opened up opportunities for his teammate. And I believe in him. And I know that he'll get out this slump. But the team really does need him to sh shoot out of this slump. Just keep shooting. Because he really does make this offense go. And it makes John Collins go. It opens up his opportunities. And I will say this now. John Collins and Trey Young are the engine that makes this car go. If they're out of whack, out of sync, the car is not going to make it to his destination. We're not going to make it to a win. We're not going to make it to the playoffs. We need them operating at high efficiency and a high capacity in their skill set. Everyone is extremely important on this team. Don't get that wrong. But like I said, without those two, the car ain't going nowhere. And I know last night, Trey Young was trying to create for others and get his shot. But Charlotte was playing good defense on him. I know many people will look at the JC story that came out thinking that, oh, he wasn't trying to get him involved. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Charlotte played good defense on John Collins as well. They fronted him a lot in the post from what I saw. And Trey would look for him, but he in the end he made the right reads in those incidents and found other guys, but the shots just weren't falling for the other guys. And I continue to love to see Trey Young drive. Usually when he drives, good things happen, whether open up opportunities for others or himself. Getting a, a basket, getting that floater off, and the floater's been a little off as well lately. And hopefully the success of him penetrating the paint will open up more three-point looks for him. So Trey Young got to get it going. He has to get it going. And so does John Collins, who I mentioned. Then I get a lot of touches. He only had seven field goal attempts last night. He made four of them, including one three-pointer. He scored 12 points, grabbed 10 rebounds, so another double-double. Six of those rebounds were on offensive glass, and he added a steal. Again, I thought they played really good defense on John Collins, but John Collins does need more touches. He is right in that regard from the article. He does need more touches. Nine of his 12 points that he scored last night were in the first quarter. And John Collins would have four fouls, which affected how much he was on the court and how aggressive he could be. But again, last night was an example 
in which John Collins was right in his reported gripe, not for the reasons listed in regards to how Trey monopolizes the ball and the ball movement, because the ball movement was there tonight. It was just a lot of bad breaks as, as far as shots just not falling. And But John Collins does need more than seven shots. I 100% agree with that. He needs more than seven shots. He needs at least 12, in my opinion. 12 shot attempts per game minimum. And I attribute this as far as getting John Collins going last night because he was out of rhythm once he got into the fourth, more so to in-game adjustments with the staff, recognizing this on the floor, recognizing that, hey, we need to get him the ball more and trying to drop some action to make this happen, trying to drop some action to get other players going, get people out of slumps. They're young. that You can't just put it on them to just shoot better, do better. You require that, and you would hope that, Obviously, as professionals, that they're going to shoot better. They're going to make better decisions. They're going to execute. But at the end of the day, they have to be given the opportunity. And if opportunities are not presenting itself by what the defense is giving them, you're going to have to draw some things up based on what the defense is giving you to give them opportunities to flourish and succeed. I'll talk about that a little later. Kevin Herter, 11 points off the bench on 4 of 13 shooting from the floor. And went 3 of 10 from 3. Not efficient, but still 11 points off the bench. Certainly needed, especially when other players like John Collins and Young weren't as effective themselves. Herter added 6 assists and 4 rebounds. Solo, Solomon Hill scored 9 points off the bench. Going 3 of 5 from the floor and all of his shots were 3-pointers. He added three rebounds, three assists, and three steals. He really loves the number three. A lot of threes last night for Solo. Clint Capella, seven points. Not real efficient shooting from him as well. Two or six from the floor. Went three or four from the free throw line. He added 13 rebounds to respond to the 19 rebound performance on Wednesday. And he grabbed four offensive rebounds last night, including one steal and assist. Capella continues to be a force on the glass early in the season as he is second in the NBA going into last night's game in rebounds per game at 13.2. And he has hit double-digit rebounds in six straight games for the Hawks. Great things from what I'm seeing from Capella. He's really trying to protect the paint, really crashing the glass, giving him second chance, third chance opportunities on the offensive glass. Would like to give him a couple more touches, especially if Collins is struggling, and see what that opens up as far as in the paint. Bogey, as I mentioned, went out with a knee injury, had five points on two of six shooting with one three-pointer before going out in the second quarter. Goodwin got some action as well last night, scoring five points on two of six shooting from the field and added one three. Takeaways. Again, I'll say this for a third time. About J.C. and Trey Young being the engine to get this car going where it needs to go. As I said before, John Collins, after seeing the ball a lot in the first quarter, had three points after that. He was offensively out of rhythm. Got to get him more touches. That's evident from the stats. And to have 16 shots on Wednesday and then seven shots last night in the reverse of Trey Young having nine shots on Wednesday and 19 last night. It's all about finding that happy medium where they're both getting the opportunities to score on the floor because we need both of them going forward, especially with the injury bug plaguing this team. And I'll talk about that in my next point. 
we're going to have to find a happy balance, a happy medium, getting Trey Young his 16, 17 shots. I say he needs a night, maybe more. John Collins getting his 13 shots. And then letting all the other players get shots where they may. If Reddish has to, obviously with the full deck, come off the bench, getting him his 10 shots. Herter his 10 shots off the bench with Rondo initiating that. Gallup's going to need opportunity. Hunter's going to need opportunity. There's a lot of people that got to eat on his team. But if JC and Trey are not JC and Trey, and everybody else is eating and doing their thing, as you saw from last night, they're not going to win. They're not going to win games. And they can't win games with just one of them is carrying the load and the other one is not there. We saw that on Wednesday. So we're going to have to find that happy medium going forward. And that's going to have to take some adjustment on the part of the staff to help get these guys going. You can't just say, go and get up some shots. You got to do something on your end as well. Injury bug, as I mentioned. Depending on the diagnosis of bogey, now that I'm recording, I know he got an MRI, but we don't know his status yet. Sounds like Trey Young will be fine with his wrist. He practiced with a brace today here on Sunday. That is something that is out of our control, and we got to grind through it. It's tough. I know a lot of people want to jump off the bandwagon, lose hope, all of this, but we know when this team is healthy, what this team can do. And even mostly healthy, we were doing great. We're still having four players out early on to start the season. Next man up, mindset. Those who are available just have to give more have to fight more to get these wins. And they got to take it upon themselves to grind through these times until we get everybody back. This is an opportunity for people to step up, establish themselves in certain roles, in certain in-game situations, and grow and get in rhythm. Every game is an opportunity to get better. Although this is a tough situation for this team, let's try to make the most of it. Sometimes we just got to play above our circumstances. Offensively, spacing and ball movement was very good last night, in my opinion. Just missed a lot of open shots. And there were not many bad shots attempted throughout the night for the Hawks. That's something that LP and the Hawks are aware of. He is calling for players to get some shots up, and hopefully those shots will go down in-game. But again, you got to draw up situations to help them get clean looks and give them confidence in the offense and in their shot and in their opportunity instead of forcing up shots because there's no action being drawn up and they're having to create on the fly. And we already know on the fly is not a strong suit for LP as of what we're seeing with this coaching challenges and some of these adjustments or lack thereof. I'm going to get to that shortly. Defensively, we just got to get stops. They are certainly playing hard on the defensive end. It's not a matter of effort. It's just that there are stretches where stops are just hard to come by. And we just got to just buckle down and execute defensively. We got to just know the strengths of the other team and try to take away those strengths. If you take away their strengths and they're still hitting shots, that's okay. They're just on that night. The Hornets were just on last night. But defensively, we got to continue to tighten it up. And in-game adjustments, I've been beating around the bush the entire episode. I got to talk about it whether it's defensively or offensively, drawing things to get players going. This is something that I am not seeing from Lloyd Pierce and his staff. And I know that there are some things that they want to do that they may not be able to do because of personnel, because of injury bug. And there are a lot of fans complaining about the things regarding Lloyd Pierce that are just not his fault. 
Missing open shots, it's not his fault. Execution on the court, not his fault. He may have some blame in that, especially if he's not putting them in the right position to succeed with those opportunities given, but that's not all on him. Injuries, not on him. But in-game adjustments, that is something crucial that you could point to Lloyd Pierce. That is something that in a stretch of losing and winning games in a regular season or in a potential playoff series, in-game adjustments are a big deal. We saw this in the Clippers series when they got bounced out last year with the Nuggets, and it cost Doc Rivers a job. It had players throwing him under the bus. Now, be careful what you ask for, Clippers, because it's not always the grass ain't greener on the other side, as we're seeing. And I mentioned the comparison to the Warriors and Mark Jackson previous episode as far as the respective timelines for the Hawks, young, ascending franchise, and where the Warriors were with Steph Curry and that young franchise ascending, and how Mark Jackson was there to bring them there, help develop them. They got him out for some reasons, and they brought in Steve Kerr. They had Coach Mike Brown on the bench. You have the offense and defense in mind, and it took them to the next level outside of some front office moves as far as with personnel concerns. There are many things out of Lloyd Pierce's control. There are some very unfortunate breaks that have happened for Lloyd Pierce this early part of the season. And if it's just that and they still make the playoffs, they're going to certainly bring him back for one more year. But if all the personnel are available, no one is hurt, and this continues to be a glaring thing, it is something that you can point to directly at him and the staff, that they're not doing this. They're not adjusting in-game to put players in position to succeed. With many fans not liking what seemingly anything and everything about Lloyd Pierce when it comes to on the basketball court making decisions, a lot of it is a little unwarranted, but this is the low-hanging fruit that could easily make him a scapegoat along with if any other bad headlines outside of the story from The Athletic about JC and Ice Tray come out of this locker room. And it sounds like if this locker room is divided or if there's anything like that, on top of this in-game adjustments or lack thereof, they can bounce him out. Because the adjustments is something that needs to improve game to game. And as I said before, this is an evaluation period. If... Something is not the right fit for this franchise. They will be removed. This is around Trey Young. This is around the pieces that make this team better. And we've talked about players, but it's a little too early, obviously, just being a few games into the season. We haven't even hit the 10-game mark, but I'm all about breaking trends, breaking habits early. Knowing those habits and furiously working to overcome those bad habits. If this happens to be a thing that continues for the Hawks and Coach Lloyd Pierce, it'll be really easy for front office to say, hey, we need someone who can make these adjustments in game to help our team win. And we got to move on from you. And as much as he's done for the community, I it, it, hurt, it hurts to even say this because he's in a tough position. This is a tough job. One of the toughest jobs in the NBA right now with the pressure to win. But in the end of the day, with much given, much is expected from you. And if all the pieces are available and this continues to be a thing, you got to go, man. You got to go. 
Now, time to talk Hawks Sixers. Now, we know that Bogey will most likely be out. All these other players will be out. Tony Snell sounds like he'll be available for the Hawks in this game. Onyeko Kongu, they're still evaluating. Rondo will still be out. Gallo, obviously, will still be out. Trey Young practiced today with a wrist brace. Ben Simmons will be out on the other side for the Sixers. The COVID scare, Seth Curry and some other players, they only had seven players available to play against the Nuggets the other day. They're traveling down here to Atlanta. We'll see if this game happens, but if so, we saw the fight with Tyrese Maxey and all those who were available to play for the 76ers in a losing effort to the Nuggets. The Hawks are going to have to bring it. Luckily, they're back home, but luck has not found them at home, especially the last three games for them as they've lost three straight at home. We got to turn it around. We got to play with effort. We got to get JC and Trey Young going. Find that happy medium. Find that balance to get these guys going. All these other players are going to have to step up. Next man up. Certainly the 76ers are doing with COVID scare. No one's showing any pity, any mercy on the Hawks. We got to overcome this. We got to play above our circumstances. We got to go back to the drawing board. We got to get back on the practice court. Continue to watch film. Continue to just get better game in and game out. It's been kind of stagnant the last four games in this losing skid. Let's see if they can turn the tide against a shorthanded Sixers team. So with that, I'm not going to talk any more about the game. We're going to just sit back with the pieces that are available, and we will recap that game in the next episode. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell everybody, your partner, them, whoever, about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. That's no cap. Numbers do not lie. Share with fellow Hawks fans and NBA enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett 67 That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. And as always, yeah.